the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 3 this Wednesday, we do so as we do almost every Wednesday with one of my absolute favorite people and public servants uh, now in the private sector but still doing the work of public service. And that is Congressman John Shattuck, who represented uh, District 4 here in Arizona, the old District 4, for 16 years in Congress. And we are delighted to have him in studio as we do every Wednesday. John, good to see you, man. Great to be here. You know, it's a funny thing. You and I have a couple go-to issues that just um, – they're impassioned. They're, they're passionate issues to us. They go to the core of who we are, and uh, identity politics is one way to think about it, uh, re-racialization, the whole umbrella under which civil rights fall, shall we say. That's kind of – you and I are – a lot alike in that way. I think we each have probably three or four things, but we we we, we unite on that one for sure. I um I guess especially the issue of identity politics comes up in a day or a week like this with the shooting in Nashville and all the fallout over that sort of thing. I had a I had a liberal friend today who I haven't seen in a long time, left wing liberal friend, ask me if I would mind sitting down with her at some point in the near future to explain how so many good people she knows can be conservative. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> happy to, happy to. Yep. And one of the things she um, she wrote back is, um, I think it's the innate racism in conservatism that I can't get past. And I wrote back, I think it's the innate racism in the left that, is so pervasive that bothers so many of us on the right that we can't get past. So, you know, it's probably a good discussion um, to have with liberal anytime the issue of race. I think it's the one that has served to divide us more than anything else. And I think it's the one that our perspective uh, from the angle of civil rights and nonjudgmentalism uh, should win the day when we're trying to talk to liberals who I think have a very distorted view of what it is that we stand for. Anyway, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I'll update you and the audience on it once it happens. But I, I think they simply don't understand us on this. And I think once they do, we might even have a, a, a foot in the door in converting them. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, on the one hand, uh, I am I get keyed up about identity politics because of how it has been used and is being used to divide us. Mm-hmm. And if, if identity politics was used to unite us by saying, look, uh, we have all these different identities, but we believe in those fundamental American things, then I wouldn't have any problem with uh, identity politics. You know, uh, I think in the United States, we grew up of thinking, you know, out of many, mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, of course, our motto. And I, perhaps it's because I grew up here in Arizona, and Arizona was, in my youth, largely colorblind. Mm-hmm. Um, we were ahead of the curve on civil rights, I think, in a lot of respects here. We were way ahead of the curve on civil rights, but it was, it was uh, this might not sound right, but it was uh, sub rosa. That yeah. is, yeah. 
the city of Phoenix, I think, integrated very early in its history. Uh, I know Barry Goldwater uh, integrated the uh, Arizona National Guard very, very early in his career. Sky Harbor as well, right? And and as a kid growing up, you know, it just – race wasn't an issue. I had uh, lots of friends from different races, and it was something you didn't even think about. Uh, what you thought about first was that you were an American. I jotted some things down. Um, uh, I thought of myself first as an Arizonan, perhaps, yeah. maybe an American. Yeah. Uh, I thought of myself as living in Arizona and in, and in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, and beyond that, by the time I began to think about these things, I think what I thought about is that, well, I'm, I'm a Camelback guy. Uh-huh. I went to Camelback High School. Uh-huh. And the only, that, that might have been a part of my identity yeah. because there was this rivalry yeah. and Central was, you know, uh, the enemy. <laughs> and on occasion— That's our, who the enemy was. And our, yeah, and on occasion, Arcadia was the enemy. Yeah. But as soon as that basketball game or that football game was over, uh, it was like, yeah, he goes to Central, so I don't ever see him or whatever. Uh, and, and it just— uh, race was not an issue, and I don't even—I don't think I learned that Goldwater had done what he did to integrate uh, either the city of Phoenix when he was on the Phoenix City Council or the Air National Guard when he was active in the National Guard. I learned those things 20 years later I when too. I was in no. uh, college, no. or maybe even after that, no. maybe uh, in 1964 when he was running for president. You go, oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, we didn't. So— um, we didn't strut about it. We didn't. It, no, was, it wasn't, it a, wasn't a bragging right. It was a common sense thing. I'm thinking I had the same. I'm a little bit younger than you, but I had basically the same upbringing, basically the same neighborhood, basically the same view. What was distinctive that I do remember, and yeah, I don't remember uh, any racism at all whatsoever. And we all did grow up with uh, a fair, a fair number of uh, people from the minority community. Phoenix early on in the early '70s had an African American member of the city council, yep. Calvin Good. I think he was there. Gosh, I think in the Nixon administration he started serving. He w- he went way back. One of the first names I remember. Yeah, from the exactly Phoenix, right. Exactly right. From the Phoenix Civil uh, City Council. Yeah, and, and of course Mayor Graham. That's right. Uh, because he was mayor for a thousand years. That's right. But we had but we had a lot of patriotism too. Congressman. We, we had, had. That's right. You know. It, we had a, uh, Raul Castro as governor. Raul Castro as governor. Uh, but we also had a. I do remember. And maybe it's not a coincidence. I remember a lot of patriotism. I remember at Hopi and Arcadia, we did, well, particularly at Hopi in the elementary grades, we did a lot of flag salutes and rallying around the flag. And I remember the nurse uh, with her whistle would lead us in all kinds of patriotic songs once a month outside. Maybe it goes together. Maybe it went together that we were reciting One Nation Indivisible and we actually meant it. Liberty and justice for all. With liberty and justice. Maybe maybe that imbued us. Maybe that Maybe the falling apart of patriotism is coincident to the falling apart of of, uh, our colorblind uh, approach to civil rights. And of the colorblind or the anti-colorblind notion of identity politics. If you are different, then you have to be different. Mm -hmm. Or, or not get along, or look for those things which divide us mm-hmm. as opposed to those things which unite us. And I suppose, in part, um, I grew up at the, at the end uh, of World War II. Uh, it, it was gone for a while, but the unity produced by World War II, and maybe by the time I was coming along, maybe a, a little bit of a Korea, you know, we thought very much about being American yeah, sure. and having an American flag and having 
I was about to say 50 states, but uh, that 48 all happened. anyhow. Yeah, right. <laughs> 48 that you knew of. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. Where did Arizona yeah, 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 Alaska and Hawaii? Uh, uh, 48 that you know. 48 to you, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but the, but the, identity you, politics and the effort to divide us now is, I think, one of the you can say saddest, but that almost understates it. Maybe yeah. it's just sad, but it is so divisive. It is. It does so little to focus on different identities, especially as it's happened now in America. In that, it's always. It's not. We embrace diversity, which is one thought about identity. It is is thought of as advantage. Oh, uh, we're different and they get an advantage. How come they're doing so well? How come they get this benefit? How come uh, they organize as a group? Mm-hmm. And, and it over time, for a while that was good. And you had the Italian-American society or whatever, and you had that identity. But the Italian-American society was never jealous of, say, the German-American society or the Hispanic community and never, at least not that I knew of, and they never, the predominant thought was not, oh, why are they getting some benefit we're not? Why are they doing better? Uh, Why do they have some advantage we don't? And now it's become all about that. Not about uniting uh, or strengthening unity it's about uh, being jealous and, yeah. and resenting yeah the word before the hyphen not the word after the hyphen uh, right. and one of the interesting things maybe we're stumbling onto something here you know as we saw this wall street journal poll on monday i can't get out of my head where uh, americans views on faith has so sunken but americans views on patriotism has really turned patriotism yep into a down market commodity here at the time that we are re-racializing and finding identity politics to be at uh, fortissimo levels and volumes. I wonder if if maybe those things kind of go together and need to be thought of as the same thing. When we were a patriotic country, when we did adhere to one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, indivisible was there before God, actually, in the original version from the Mm. 1890s. We added God later. That indivisible part, you know, as that has fallen by the wayside, isn't it interesting, as patriotism has been on the decline, isn't it interesting, identity politics and racialism and viewing people through the lenses of race has been on the rise. Let's pick up on that when we come back, John Shattuck. And I'm we'll Seth talk Leeds. about up with people. Yeah, up with people. I'm Seth Leeds. Come back with up with people, David. That'll be fun. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. John Shattuck uh, requested that uh, intro bumper. We'll do it once go. and only once here, uh, but that's fine. That's the old Up With People, the old uh, Blayton Belk uh, organization. You wanted to say something about that because that was something that was kind of – anyway, I'll let you say, do the talking here, sir. Well, at my high school, Camelback High School, in 1965, 66, mm-hmm. or 67, mm-hmm. the Up With People cast – uh, visited, and some kids protested because it was cheesy, uh-huh. as you said. <laughs> as I did about five minutes ago off air, okay, yes. But, but it, it, you know, and you got a little, you know, it went a little over the top because it, it went on for years, mm-hmm. and people could join the cast. It was based in Tucson, but up, up with people. Uh, you meet them wherever you go. Mm-hmm. 
um, and somewhere in there it says, if more people were four people, all people everywhere, there'd be a lot less, less people, people to worry about, about and, and a, a lot, lot more people, people who, who care. care. Nice. If you think about that, that's not what America is about today. Right. And that's not what that poll right. showed. Right. That poll showed uh, community involvement is down. Yep. Religious faith is down and patriotism is down. Well, guess what? If you indoctrinate the society with identity politics, if he's a Democrat Mm -hmm. and you're a Republican, he must be bad. Or if he's an independent and you're a Republican, she must be bad. Um, You know, when you tell people all these bad things and emphasize the things in their identity which you can say are negative or or you can make the fact that they're merely different bad it's a completely different mindset than if more people were for people mm-hmm. of any race color creed you name it uh, there'd be a, a lot less people to worry about and a lot more people to care maybe that shows i'm simplistic but it is an influence on society it's so what are we going to think about? Are we going to think about the things that divide us? Or for that matter, given woke America, if we're going to think about what's bad in America, then we're going to be more focused on what's bad. Yeah, nobody said, Ronald Reagan didn't say America is perfect. He said it was a shining city on a hill that people aspire to, you know, and we've changed the nation by changing the focus from thinking about the good that we're striving to do, improve race relations, improve the economic condition of everybody in the society, we're going to have a happier view than if we're focused on you know, how evil we are and, and the mistakes we've made over time. Slavery was outrageous uh, um, and discrimination uh, uh, at least, you know, uh, discrimination without any basis except bias is terrible. So uh, it, it's not shocking to see that the nation has changed uh, because of that kind of focus, which I think is in politics is summarized by the words identity politics. There's a healthy thread under this that I want to emphasize a little bit, which is I think at least most Americans say they want what you said. They will say that they want what you said, which was, as I recall, the great calling card for Joe Biden's election in 2020. They wanted someone who would unite and quit being divisive. They said they want the American people, at least the media said it. Whether they meant or not, well, they, it's a they, different question. They actually voted for it. He did not campaign on I will continue to divide right, you. Right. It was about uniting and calming and pacifying and no red states, no blue states. And then he gives a speech in Georgia where he said the Republican Party is the party of George Wallace, Bull Connor, and Jefferson Davis, which is historically false. That's the Democratic Party. But to attribute those worst racists in memory to the entire and grafted onto the entire Republican Party, we knew he was full of it. Uh, I mean, a lot of us knew he was full of it from (laughs) prior years, and you certainly had served with him. You knew this. But the idea that people said they want that is a good thing. This charge that gets thrown around of people being racist, try and make a subtle point here. You call someone a racist. There's obviously it's overused and it's been 
the word has lost its meaning because of its overuse, its, satur- its, its, its syntactical saturation. But the notion that being a racist is considered a pejorative or a negative thing is a healthy thing. If I can make that point, the idea that you think you're communicating a negative by calling someone a racist, again, overused, so it's lost its meaning. But the notion that it still means something or supposed to mean something negative is a healthy thing. And I think what these polls refuse to understand when we see the idea of patriotism or the idea of faith or the idea of community service going down, I think what we what we what we miss in in, in seeing these these polls, John get your thought on this, is that it's because people are so fed up and think, what's the use anymore? They feel like, well, every time we try to do something uniting, like get a Joe Biden, we get called these names. When Even if you're a Republican and you get someone uh, who uses the phrase, make America great again, the notion that Making America great again is something that Democrats think should be a negative. Creates such a cynicism here about this country. Take the 1619 Project. The story I can't get out of my head, John. The story I can't get out of my head is this effort by the New York Times, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who's the author of it. Her daddy is a Vietnam uh, War veteran who flies the American flag in his front yard proudly every day. She comes home from school one day, something like in the sixth or seventh grade, and says to him, Daddy... That flag doesn't represent us. We have to take it down. So she is telling her father, who served in the uniform of the United States at a time when racism clearly would have been worse in the United States. She's telling him who is proud, he who is proud to fly the American flag, that she learned in school over and against her daddy's experiences. She learned in school that the flag was inappropriate. That, to me, in a nutshell, is our problem. What the schools are teaching these kids and distorting their views that are the real world experience of their parents and their grandparents and their great grandparents. Yes, slavery is part of the American story, an awful part of the American story. Needs to be taught. It's not the whole part of the American story. And guess what? Even at the time, it wasn't the majority part of the American story. It was the minority part of America. Absolutely. Anyway. I think your point is right. And I think that especially essentially the thrust of it, which was – as a nation, we clearly agree that racism is bad. Right. Uh, so that's well taken. So somebody who wants to attack or besmirch the character of an opponent says you're a racist. Uh, the, the, the problem is that as a nation, we are in fact, I would argue, less racist than perhaps any nation in the world. And then the second one is, uh, and uh, God doesn't expect us to be perfect. He expects us to aspire to be better. And so here we are, even today, trying to improve on our race record uh, and doing everything we can to do that. and, and unfairly judging that somebody else is a racist because either because you just want to hurt them with no evidence or because you misunderstand their view or their motive. That's simply tearing the nation apart. Hold that thought. Let me cut. Let me pick up on that when we come back. Um, John Shattuck and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Congressman John Shattuck is our guest. We're talking about identity politics. This poll from the Wall Street Journal from Monday 
John, I love what you just said before the break about America constantly, if you think about what God wants of an individual, it's probably also true what he wants of of, uh, of this near-promised land called America. Um, you think about—I think the story of America is the story Frederick Douglass told of Abraham Lincoln, said of Abraham Lincoln. He said, though he may not move as fast as we want, he always moves forward and never backwards. And I think that's the story of America, too. The befuddling thing to me is after so much achievement and after so much growth and after not only the civil rights legislation and civil rights achievements and the uh, twice uh, elected uh, African, first African-American president, Barack Obama, that we seem to now be more racialized than before any of that. It's almost as if um, we want to be. And it's um, I don't know if it's part of an industry but I have a stinking feeling that it's an ideology that has infused the left where this form of neo-Marxism has just simply traded economic condition wars for race condition wars. I mean, I think that's, I think that's right. Uh, as you were going through your remarks, I thought, you know, of the word interregnum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think of America as constantly striving to do better. Um, and I guess in the search to, to do better, you, you ought to look at all of the options. And I think one of the items in the poll, I think, was uh, a question of professors, or I saw this somewhere else, and it says a number of years ago, uh, virtually nobody, the, the percentage of people who thought favorably of socialism was tiny. Yeah, right. And now the percentage of people who don't think uh, negatively of socialism has grown a yeah, lot. Yeah. I don't mind us examining those things. I do happen to think that the evidence regarding socialism or communism is incredibly overwhelming, yeah. like the evidence of free markets. Um, clearly the world uh, when when or countries that are dominated by a socialistic system or a communistic system, to me it's very clear uh, fewer people do well as compared to freedom. And that's why I'm so passionate about freedom. I think you let people be free and you imbue them with individual responsibility and they will do better than any other conceivable governance system. And I think also, if you have a free market where people can succeed or fail based on their own ingenuity and intelligence and energy and effort, uh, you have uh, happier people, more prosperous people, uh, people doing better as a whole. And and that those ought to be the guiding principles with the caveat that for those who can't because of some mental or physical uh, uh, inability, they need to be helped. And, and that that is what we have done in America. And in fact, we ought to be very proud of it uh, when compared with the rest of the world. Uh, it also happens to fit with energy. Uh, you go to Africa 
where they have no energy and they're still burning dung in many places, you know, there's not a lot of prosperity. You go to the rest of the world where we have energy and there's a ton of pos- uh, of prosperity. And you look at the fate of the poorest in the United States and compare that with the rest of the world. How can you trash this country? You know, the poorest here are doing you know, they're middle class in most of the rest of the world. Uh, so, it, you know, it is stunning to me that people are divided over the issue of whether or not America is inherently good. Yeah. The uh, the best lesson I ever heard on this was Winston Churchill's, who said the uh, chief defect of capitalism is its uh, unequal distribution and acquisition of goods, whereas the chief attribute of socialism and communism is its equal distribution of an acquisition of misery. Yeah. I mean, it, it is eminently true misery. that if you want to get rid of income gaps, if you want to get rid of economic gaps, if you want to get rid of those kinds of disparities, um, you do have that model. It's called North Korea. Uh, but, you know, there is an ideological push that thinks and wants to think that we have to hate ourselves. There's this pseudo-sophisticated thinking in the left that because America is so successful, um, that it, 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 it breeds a resentment internal to those who have achieved that success. Um, kind of like professors, you know, who think they should be more important. Let me, let me come back on that with John Shattuck when we come right back. I'm Seth. He's John. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I'm Seth, uh, joined by Congressman John Shattig, as we do every Wednesday. Um, John, let me let me fill out just a little bit of what I was trying to impart right before the break about this down market view of patriotism in America that so suffuses the left and modern liberalism. You're totally right. The views on socialism in this country have increased. Uh, The Victims of Communism Memorial Museum does a poll every couple of years. It's now 50% of our young people that have a positive view of socialism. When you were in Congress, uh, there was but one member of uh, the Socialist Party proudly saying so in the House of Representatives. He's now the chairman in the Senate Committee of Health, um, Education, and Welfare, and Labor, I guess, Pensions, the HELP Committee. Uh, And he has uh, six socialists in Congress who are proud to declare themselves. It has grown in a way that we probably never would have imagined in the 1960s. Um, and in a way that I wouldn't have imagined yeah. in, the, in the 1990s. In the 1990s. It, was, it, was, it, was, it would have been a curiosity as well back then. You're absolutely right. There is this notion that, um, that, that, that we grew up with in university that thought American exceptionalism was not something to boast about and that multiculturalism was really the order of the day, that it was jingoistic to think we were better than anyone else. Um, and, and that converted into not only that we aren't better than anyone else, but that everyone else is now better than us and maybe we're worse than everyone else, which explains Barack Obama's apology tour. It explains the fulminations of Ilan Omar. You know, you have two people coming uh, from uh, Somalia, one, both rescued by America in a way, one Ilan Omar and uh, the other Hirsi Ali, Ayan Hirsi Ali. Ayan Hirsi Ali, uh, thanks uh, thanks her lucky stars, she was able to come to America and speaks wonderfully and patriotically about it. 
Ilan Omar, the socialist, uh, thinks that she lives in a tyranny, uh, and she won't debate Ion Hercioli, which is interesting enough. But it is this sophisticated ideological Marxist thinking, and Hannah Arendt reminds there's nothing so powerful as ideology, and it can be blinding, and I believe they are blinded. What's unfortunate is for the past generation and a half, they have graduated um, six million high school and college students year after year after year after year after year, having soaked them in four or eight years of socialism, and it's now coming to bear. I feel the need to add a number of things. Uh, number one, going back to my service in Congress, um, I, I think we had maybe two or three uh, members of Congress who uh, were communist or socialist, admittedly, but uh, that was thought of by everyone else derisively. And now... It's just another view. Just another thing. Right. right. Okay. Uh, I think one of them is now running for the United States Senate in California, if I'm not <laughs> mistaken. Uh, I, I think that's right. I think she she openly admitted her, at least her socialist views, if not her communist views, when I was there in 90, you know, 94 through 2010. Uh, the second point is the whole confusion about American exceptionalism. I think that term is badly misunderstood. A lot of people say, well, and, and and no offense, but you put the word in there better. And the truth is, American exceptionalism, in my view, has little if and, and perhaps even nothing to do with better. If you see, I think America uh, is exceptional, or I believe in American exceptionalism, at least, I think, correctly interpreted, it does not mean that we are better. It means merely as a factual statement that we are different. And the difference is there may be many things and I could be I could probably take me an hour to list all of them. But the fundamental difference is, number one, we have a written constitution that we all agreed upon that lays out all these principles that we uh, agree upon and that our society is founded on. Some of those are pretty darn important, uh, like uh, equality under the law, uh, like uh, equal justice, like rule of law. Um, uh, but the second thing is it's we are so we're exceptional because we have a constitution that set for sets forth the principles we agree upon. But it, we are exceptional because anyone can choose to be an American, making America exceptional. You're not an American because you were born here. You are American, at least in the founding and at the inception, because you chose to ascribe to all of those values and principles. So it's not like you're French because you're born in France or you have a French heritage. Here, we have people with French heritage and Italian heritage and German heritage, and they're all Americans because it's not an accident of birth that makes our nation. It's a an agreement upon a set of principle or principles. Um, I and Hersey Alley, why can't I remember... The first book was Caged Virgin, but what's the second one? I can't remember it either. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. If if your listeners have not read uh, her second book, uh, 
It, I would urge them to do so. It is an Fidel heretic, prey immigration nomad, heretic cage, nomad from Islam. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, the cage, the cage version was her first. Cage right. version was first. Right. Was and what's the second one? Nomad uh, or prey immigration or heretic or infidel. I infidel. Think. Okay. Infidel. Okay. It's like heretic. Infidel. Buy, go find. Go to the library and get a copy of Infidel. Borrow it from your neighbor. Heck, call me. I'll lend you. <laughs> I've probably got several copies. It is just an incredible story of freedom and of the struggle the world is going through right now. Uh, I read it. I was so fascinated by her. She was then connected to or being helped by the Heritage Foundation. I went and met her. If I were a wealthy man, I'd have put up money to defend her because, you know, they want to kill her. Uh, If you want a good read and you believe in uh, freedom, go read Heretic. Or I go read infidel. Infidel. Yeah. infidel. Mm-hmm. See, I, yeah. but it's great. It's and, uh, and it's interesting, the contrast of the two Somalians. But it's, there are so many stories in, in Infidel that she tells about her entire life's experience until she got to the United States uh, and how much they hated her just because she had a series of beliefs. The other thing that's amazing about the book is she, for every point she makes, she illustrates it with stories from her youth mm-hmm. And the stories are personal experience that she lived through where she was on the verge of being killed or people around her mm-hmm. were on the verge of being killed uh, or of doing incredible discriminatory things. Uh, the uh, mutilation, mutilization of uh, uh, female. Yeah, genital mutilation. Yeah, yeah genital right. muta- mutilation. I mean, it's just Unbelievable. Yeah. If you think you're if you if you're a woman and you think there's discrimination still going on, you darn bet there is. Go read that book. Yeah. Yeah. The there's nothing like uh there's nothing like gratitude and uh the gratitude for an exceptional nation, which is why we have an immigration problem. After all, China doesn't have an immigration problem, and North Korea and Cuba don't have immigration problems. Or more Chinese, it appears, are trying to get across exactly into right. this country. Exactly right. John Shattig, it's always a delight visiting with you. Thank you for coming by. Thank you for your service to our country. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Fun. Folks, how do you think the Biden administration is handling the economy with banks failing and stock market volatility and a recession on the horizon? What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return? It's not correlated to the Fed or the stock market. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like. With no surprises, you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily. You're paid monthly. And there are no fees. This is a collateralized, secure portfolio. Delivers a high fixed interest rate. Talk to my friends at Y-Refi. They're local. You can visit with them. I know them well. Honest, trustworthy. You won't get a sales pitch. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm. And you can earn up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right. A 10.25% fixed rate of return. Just check them out at investyrefi.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. One of my favorite scholars uh, on political philosophy in America and uh, issues having to do with patriotism is Walter Burns, B-E-R-N-S. 
passed away uh, around 2015, I believe. Uh, he and Harry Jaffa were um, both students of Leo Strauss, and they both passed away, uh, like Adams and Jefferson, on the same day, on the same year. Uh, in any event, uh, his book, Walter Burns's book, Making Patriots, tells the story that John Shattuck reminded me of when he was talking about our Constitution. Uh, Burns writes that in 1987, the bicentenary of our Constitution, he was in Brazil, where the people had recently overthrown a military dictatorship and had begun the process of writing a democratic constitution. He writes, I had been invited to lecture on constitutionalism at one place, a university, after I had finished my prepared remarks, someone got up and denounced, not me, but the local official who had sponsored my appearance. Why, he shouted, did you invite an American? What can they tell us about constitutions? They've had only one. Why didn't you invite a Bolivian? They've had a hundred. And <laughs> therein tells the whole story about what John Shattuck was getting at. Our one constitution... And it matters really only if we adhere to it. It doesn't matter if we disregard it or continually amend it through judicial opinion and legislation and not the amendment process. It's not a constitution if it is to be updated by the whims of the time and of the majorities at the time. It was to stand against majorities. It was to stand between the government and the people, not to be abused by the government to further abuse the people. That's the only way it can matter, and the only reason it is important, if we only have one. Okay, until tomorrow. David Dahl, thank you very much, sir. I am Seth Leibson. God bless you all. Class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.